Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Tonight's episode is so bigly, you might even call it huge, or biglier, or bigliest. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you uh, pre-recorded one day early on a lovely, lovely, lovely spring evening. Hey, it's uh, Tuesday night now that you're listening to this and uh, in pipe parts. I'm going to finish up on my Chicago Pipe Show trip. Uh, my guest, we uh, finished off and pre-recorded the second half of Andrew Marks, so we'll have him. Mailbag, music, rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, in the meantime, I want to take this moment right now to discuss the elephant in the room. Um, the elephant in the room is the FDA announcing the deeming regulations in the United States for pipe tobacco. Now, first of all, let me state, um, I am not one of the smart people that is going, that is taking a look at this to see what all it means. So I'm not going to speculate at all on, uh, what's going to happen. I can tell you that you probably will not notice anything for the next 90 days probably won't notice a thing but the first thing that is being required is uh, warning labels and the prohibition on sampling so that'll be the first thing that you notice as any difference here in the United States Uh, second I do want to say that uh, once the smart people have decided what exactly it means and once the discussion has been settled I will uh, get back to you and let you know what to expect and what to see. It uh, could be 30 days, 60 days. We just don't know. It just depends on what the negotiations are like. And keep in mind, this entire deeming regulation situation is to get the little cigar industry, which is essentially a uh, move to get away from cigarette taxes, and the fake pipe tobacco issue somewhat covered but the big one is the big one is the electronic cigarettes the e-cigarettes that's the big issue that the fda really wanted to get their handle on and uh you know what it's just going to take some time uh The way I've uh, defined this is um, they're trying to use the cigarette regulations from 2007 and 2009 and applying it to our industry or our little hobby. And doing that is very similar to saying we're going to regulate um, single malt scotches and small batch bourbons the same way we regulate uh, Budweiser. It's just not going to, I mean, it's just a whole different world, but We'll all get it figured out, I promise you. In the meantime, don't uh, don't go leaping off any bridges. It's not the end of the world right now. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody, uh, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl of that uh, wonderful tobacco that you now have. And thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Here we go. Okay. 
Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. Cupofjoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. Cupofjoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly pipes. Check out their remodeled website at cupofjoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook. Cupofjoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Welcome back in uh, just a minute, uh, Andrew Marks. And in the meantime, let's finish up the uh, Chicago show report. All right, I failed to mention uh, last week that uh, at the pre-show, I did miss out on a uh, Walt Disney World pipe. It was a Meerschaum lined one that sold for 30 bucks. I cannot remember the name of the seller, and I apologize for that, but he had a huge rack of pipes and had probably um probably about 150 estate pipes and was smart enough to list them all out on a uh, on an excel spreadsheet and then print it out um so that's how i knew i missed one uh, anyway because he told me um was gifted with some uh wonderful items uh including uh pear jensen brought me a uh, george jensen pipe with a beautiful little silver band on it and, of course, George Jensen was Per George Jensen's father in the uh, pipe factory. So that's good old Danish wood, and I've been enjoying the heck out of it. Uh, Pear also brought me a bottle of my favorite Aquavit, Linia, from uh, Norway. And a uh, unnamed, unnamed listener of the show uh, heard my appreciation of Pendleton 1810 rye and brought me a bottle of that. So I came home from the show with... Uh, Two fresh bottles for the uh, for the bar. Uh, Mr. Taka Ueda, who is uh, traveling, was traveling with uh, Smio Sato, is also doing some silver work and brought me a gorgeous, uh, gorgeous sterling silver tamper. It's .950, and uh, I'll get uh, Kevin to put some pictures up of all this stuff for you to see. I'll try to take a decent shot of. Uh, of the pipe and the and the tamper so that you can see the gifts that I got. Um, Friday afternoon finished with some appointments that I had, uh, one of which I missed. Um, Friday evening got the pleasure of having uh, of seeing John David Cole as he got to walk into uh, walk into the into the uh, smoking tent and uh, gave Bo and John David the gifts that I brought for them, little fun gifts. And I'm sure they'll talk about that 
probably not so nice at sometimes, but uh, anyway. Um, so I got to see uh, John David's eyes as he walked in all these pipe smokers and introduced them around uh, to a few people. So that that was fun. Uh, Friday evening, sat at dinner with uh, with Tom, the diabetic man, and his wife Ariel, and then uh, Friday night, a little bit more in the smoking tent, and then off to bed it was because. Uh, Saturday morning gets up awfully, you know, starts awfully early. Uh, for us vendors at the show, the show opens at 10 o'clock. We've got to be set up by 10 o'clock. So up at the show floor at eight 30 and getting everything loaded in and ready. The show was busy all day long. I mean, all day long, people coming and going by our tables, uh, bringing people over to our tables, just back and forth all day long. And uh, ducking out for the occasional smoke break. Um, the concrete floors seemed especially hard. But, uh, hey, it was finally nice that I actually got upgraded to that hot tub. Because uh, after the show on Saturday, went and soaked in that hot tub for a little bit. No no roses floating in my hot tub. But uh, then got ready for the uh, cigar dinner where Chuck Stanion and uh, Gene Umberger received their Doctor of Pipes this year. And then after that, a meeting of the Doctor of Pipes, where there was a couple of drinks and some smoking, and then by that time it was 10.30, 10.45, and I was heading straight to bed. Um, Sunday, I got a chance to walk around the show a little bit, because it kind of gets quiet, especially in the afternoon, right around the, uh, right around the smoking, uh, the, the slow smoke competition. And I got a chance to walk around, got a chance to take some selfies with, uh, with some people, practicing my, uh, my younger person's selfie skills. Uh, so that was fun. I got to look at some pipes, found, uh, found one more pipe that ended up coming home with me, um, and just happened to notice that, you know, the pipes that I did see, you know, on, on, av- on an average year, you can, I can walk around and see some real clunkers or oddball pipes that I just looked at and went, you know, okay, brand new pipe maker. Um, I didn't see those. What I did see was a Sunday that was still relatively busy. Some pipe makers still had some pipes available, or most pipe makers still had some pipes available, but I saw a lot of really good pipes. I saw a lot of sold signs. I saw a lot of happy pipe makers and pipe retailers. So it looks like sales were, uh, yeah, sales were really good. Uh, and then Sunday, packed up the show, got everything closed up, went back to the room, rested for a little bit, and then went off to dinner with uh, the Satos and the Uedas and Ryota from Smoking Pipes to Translate. And the six of us went for sushi. Yeah, I was brave enough to take... Uh, residents of Tokyo to an American sushi restaurant and I let them order and we ate the, you know, ate exactly what they wanted to order. And it was just a wonderful time, wonderful conversation, got to learn the proper order of how you're supposed to eat certain foods, um, just great people. And then after that, went back to the hotel room and recorded the, uh, the interview that you'll hear in a couple of weeks of, Sato. Uh, and then from there, about two hours in the smoking tent, and again, it was off to bed. So overall, a great week uh, in Chicago. 
always come back from the Chicago Pipe Show energized about pipe smoking, thrilled to hear from the numerous listeners that came by and said hello. There was just too many of them to mention. And I, listen, I do appreciate each and every one of you that find me at a show and come up to me and tell me how much you enjoy listening to this show. Um, sometimes I have to apologize to them for them listening to this show, but that's just me. Uh, but again, I come back and I feel energized and I feel revived and I feel reinterested in pipes. Uh, a lot of first time show attendees that were just blown away. And, you know, it's, if you're going for a first show, Chicago's the big one. Um, the, uh, one other comment that I want to make before we get on with this is, um, <laughs> the Chicago pipe show was, uh, this year, two porta potties out, uh, the backside of the smoking tent. So, uh, no, uh, no incidents out in the parking lot this year. Uh, benefit to the, uh, porta potty. You could walk right out of the tent with your pipe in your mouth and keep puffing while you are in the porta potty and benefit of puffing while you're in the porta potty. You really don't notice the smell that you're in a porta potty. Um, however, it was kind of cold. Okay, enough potty talk. All right, in uh, just a minute, the uh, finished up visit with Andrew Marks. This is Internet Radio. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us again because I mean, there's so much information and so many questions I've got, but please welcome back pipe maker Andrew Marks to the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so I, I failed to mention that uh, it was Rob Cooper that, uh, that got us two together, and we, uh, we owe him a big thank you because, I mean, you're just a, a wealth of information. Um, and as you said, last time you, you know, were lucky enough to buy a, a, a lifetime supply of briar, so that's wood that's been sitting in this country now for 40 years that you're using. Um, yes. that's just, that's still amazing to me, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because on your website, it's amazing how time goes by, that's what's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, one of the things you have on your website 
is uh, is different colors of finishes. And I've never really gotten into this with a pipe maker, but not every pipe can take every color I, I've heard. Uh, what determines what works best with which color? I don't have an easy answer for that. Um, my favorite finish has always been what I would call a natural finish. A couple of drops of, of olive oil rubbed into a rubbed into the briar and then it buffed, uh, briar is buffed, and that's it. Um, but, uh, in fact, for years, I wasn't using wax. I preferred a, a matte finish. Uh, it took me a long time just to put a show finish on a pipe, something that gave it a bit of a glow. Now, I can make some a little bit more, more, more showy, and, and staining is what will do that. Um, and there's a methodology of double staining, um, which is to understain and overstain, uh, where you get great contrast. Um, uh, so the understain color would be one color, and then what you would do is buff that. Let's say it's a black. And then what you would do is you would buff that off to a great extent, and what would be left is, well, it would leave the softwood. It would leave. It would leave part of the wood and stay in so you have great strong grain contrast. You can leave a black and white then if you want for a really strong contrast um, and that's one of my finishes. Um, or you can then put an overlay stain on it uh, of different different aspects, different colors and it's just a matter of experimentation uh, and it's also if the bro it's what you want to do with that particular piece of wood and that particular shape and you know you just might you might do it with great consideration, or you might just do it and see how it works, and then you can always change it. You could sand your pipe back down and try it again. Um, but I don't have any fixed methodology um, about it. I think probably the, the one fast rule would be that the finest, cleanest, uh, the, the closest, most wonderful grain, the cleanest pieces of wood are usually finished in the lightest manner, either naturally or with a very light stain. If there's something with a tiny surface imperfection, perhaps, um, or, the, or maybe the grain isn't terribly striking and you want to bring it out more, that, then, then I would stain the pipe, probably double stain it. Will every block of wood or every pipe when you're working on it, will it allow you to choose what stain you want to use on it, or does the block kind of dictate sometimes what your options are? Yeah, no, I feel that the block will dictate. You know, I feel that the piece of briar, in fact, it, it is perhaps, uh, well, at least 50% of the decision uh, on, on how I'll finish it. Um, so it's really looking at it, judging it, and and making some aesthetic decision at that point. And I, I can't really say any hard and fast rules on it. It's really up to the end, you know, up to how I, I'm feeling at the moment and how, what the individual piece of, uh, that I'm working on, you know, appears to me as. Uh, you do a lot of custom design pipes or pipes that you and the, and the uh, pipe smoker talk about. Uh, is that? Do you prefer to work that way, or do you like to have something that they can look at, touch, and feel, and buy? I like both. I mean, I, I, I very much enjoy making something that I know someone already, you know, this is the shape that the person would want. And if I can do that shape, 
and make a lovely pipe for him. I, I love doing that. At the same time, um, essentially, I work out of inspiration. So, you know, the the 100 pipes that I try to keep on hand for my visitors, because when people come to Vermont and make all the trouble to, to get here and to visit me, I want to have a nice selection for them. Those pipes are all really made just whatever that piece of briar and I dictate at the moment and are inspired to create. Um, so I, lo I like working in both ways. Has there ever been a uh, custom design that a, that a pipe smoker wanted you to do that you just thought was absolutely crazy, like I did one time with a, uh, with a pipe maker and he thought I was crazy and, I was, and he was right? <laughs> rarely. It rarely happens. Um, usually there's a collaboration that can be agreed upon. I, I, don't, I don't recall that happening. Um, I remember somebody asked me once, make a pipe that looks like a lovely bunch of coconuts. That one, I think, escaped my, <laughs> escaped my ability. <laughs> and then you said you, you prefer to pe for people to come up and visit you in Vermont and look at the pipes that you have on hand? I love that. I mean, I'm not a very sociable person. Uh, I, I'm very good one-on-one, -on -one, but to attend a show and to be in a line of folks and to to have the obligation of having to sell something, and I, I really don't like that atmosphere or environment for myself. So it's a luxury for me to to be home and to be in my own studio. If someone uh, you know cares enough to to visit uh, my studio in Vermont, I I try to be as sociable and as as great a host as possible, and I always have a good espresso on hand, and if a person wants to go trout fishing, or I recommend a, an inn or a good restaurant. I, I, like to, I like people to come up. I think it's a wonderful experience, and people usually really enjoy pouring through my work, trying to make it a nice thing for them. I would imagine uh, some people have come up there and spent the whole day pouring over the pipes. People can get intrigued. In fact, it can get a little confusing. If you're looking at 100 pieces and have everything in their own little pouches, so I let the person take it out of a pouch. Sometimes, unless we'll start putting pieces away, there could be 20 or 30 pieces sitting up there. It can get very, very confusing. So I'm always encouraging the person to just put back what you're pretty sure you don't want. And then we'll have maybe seven or eight or ten to, to narrow down. <laughs> but, but it's fun. It's good. I, 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 it's good for everybody. I, I enjoy seeing people look at my work too and seeing their reaction. It's it's, it's enjoyable all around. I, I hope. Well, there's not too many pipe makers out there that'll let uh, that'll let somebody come up and hang out with them for an afternoon. Oh, that's my pleasure. In fact, I mean, I love. I don't mind making a pipe. I don't mind making the person's pipe right in front of them. I mean, I. I no, I, I delight in people visiting my workshop. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an honor for me, and, uh, and it's just a pleasure. Whether they buy something or not, that they care enough to come and, and, and visit is, is great. All right, so spring is here. The weather in Vermont, I'm assuming the snow has all melted off the ground, hopefully, maybe. Um, what? Where exactly in Vermont are... The snowstorm, we're good. Except for the snowstorm we're getting tonight, you're correct. Yeah. Um, where in Vermont are you, and what else is there to do while we're, uh, I mean, like anybody else would want to do anything else besides hang out with you, um, but I'm no, assuming... No, it, it, I'm in Middlebury, Vermont, which is a great little college town. There's some really nice little restaurants here. Uh, 
Um, and there are some nice inns. Uh, the countryside's beautiful. The Green Mountains are just right right here. Uh, it's great trout fishing. And it's just lovely to, to um, you know, to travel around the neighborhood, travel up in the mountains, travel the back roads. Uh, summer's a great time. Autumn is a great time. Um, I'm not much of a cold-weather person. I, I often end up heading down to an island um, when it gets a little too bitter, but... Um, for as much time as I might, but uh, um, summer and fall are just just ideal. And and actually, for anything from now on is a lovely, lovely, lovely time for Vermont. We get about six good six good months where where we're not uh, where we're not freezing. <laughs> and you always have about a hundred pipes on hand. I try to. Yes, I li- I like to have I like to have that many available for people to see. Wow. So, yeah, that'd be a whole afternoon. Um, And at the moment, I do. I I, I have, I have that. I have some very nice pipes. I've been making actually some lovely. I've been making some, you know, straight grain, straight grains. I I just, I'm looking in front of me. This wonderful cross grain, very tight cross grain on both sides, and the grain isn't. It's at a wonderful angle, and then the front and the back of the pipe are burnt bird's eye. It's a lovely piece. So I'm, I'm interested in, in, in working. I'm still interested, which, <laughs> which is great. You know, I mean, it's been so many years. It's the wood. It's the wood. It's the briar. I love it. It's exquisite. <laughs> There's no other wood I'd want to work. And truthfully, as I said before, Brian, this is the unfortunate, or the, this is the, but it's, it's about right because I'm the age I am. I have one more bag of briar, and of this particular wood, which which is my wood, and that'll be it. That'll be it. Um, but it's 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 a very interesting work. It's very interesting work. Um, very tiny and uh, uh, and challenging. And I don't think it'd be for everybody, <laughs> but it happens to be for me. As far as making a, a real uh, living is concerned, I don't know that I'd recommend it. I think if one wanted to become an attorney instead, they might just just as well be the attorney and make pipes on the side. Would they be a great pipe maker? I don't know. But uh, it, it has to be a labor of love. If one enters into this profession, I think it has to be a labor of love. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about. Uh, we'll see if we see if Andrew's got another labor of love that I think I know about. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell and Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. 
The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Andrew Marks. Um, Andrew, you're also a musician, from what I understand. Uh, what do you play and for how long? I've been playing drums ever since I was about 12. Um, so I'm a drummer. I'm a percussionist. I play guitar very badly, but I play it very rhythmically, and I use it to back myself up because I like to sing. And I also write music. I write songs. So I do all that stuff as far as music is concerned. Uh, did you ever get out and perform, or is it more of a hobby? No, I've performed. Um, in, uh, I met mentoring Philadelphia back in 1967. Uh, I was in a band called Valentine, the rock and roll band back then. Um, Frank Stallone was part of the band, Sylvester's brother, wow. and a few other people. We had a wonderful little band. And... Um, I've been in rock and roll bands before and after that, and different kinds of music. I, every once in a while, I'll come up and sing something uh, out in public or something I've written a few nights ago. They, we have a blues night here in Middlebury, uh, the um, fourth Wednesday of every month, and, uh, and people are allowed to sit in and then sing or play different instruments, and that's kind of neat, and I, I ended up sitting in and, and playing, the, playing the drums a couple of nights ago. So I like to get out. Yeah, it's fun good it's a challenge it, it's, it's another a, risk <laughs> it's another risk <laughs> but, and it, it would seem to me like the drums are very opposite to pipe making but I, I guess maybe there's a is there a rhythm to when you're working with the bowl and working with the sanding discs you know I seem to be involved in different creative things I, 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 I sort of have to admit it now I, 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 I used to just do all this stuff and didn't pay a lot of attention or give it much but I write, you know, I write, I write, I, I guess write, write, and I write poetry, I write, I'll write songs, I, uh, I've painted I, watercolors on trips. I, I do different kinds of things uh, to let out my, whatever I have in me. Now, drums is, 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 is another emotion. It's a different emotion. Um, but, I mean, you can be playing drums to a whole lot of different kinds of music, so there are a lot of different kinds of emotions you can express on the drums. You can be using the brushes. You can, you know, be... You, so, so all kinds of music can be expressed. And, no, I, I, I just do different things, I guess. Go from one thing to another. Um, was, uh, was, is pipe making your, uh, your, your sole source of income, or did you also have another profession in there? No, this has really been it. Um, I took some time out in um, 1986 from it. I guess I'd worked however many, 16, 17 years at Pipes. And wanted to take a break to see if there's anything else that would really uh, capture my imagination, intrigue me, uh, something I'd get very involved with. And I took, I took several years off. Uh, the only great thing I did in that time was actually I wrote a book and had it published. Uh, it's called The Rabbi and the Poet, Victor Reichert and Robert Frost. I had it published by Andover Green Books. Uh, and it's, it's mostly in the rabbi's words uh, about... Uh, he and Frost were great friends here in Vermont, and uh, 
So I got to interview Rabbi Ragger and become his friend. He was about 90 years old and, uh, and wrote this wonderful little, I think it's a neat little book, um, mostly uh, in Frost's words and in Rabbi Reichert's words, stuff that hadn't been, been said or printed or seen before. So that was an intriguing and wonderful project. And I spent a couple of more years wandering, what am I doing? I said, what else is going to, no, no, no. I'm going to go back to Megan Pipes. <laughs> and, uh, and so, no, this has really been it for me. This has been the one thing I think I've been involved uh, most with and, and I've gone back to and, and keep doing. And uh, although I don't do as much of it as I did when I was, you know, 26 and 30, I don't have that same kind of energy. Um, I still have the same kind of respect and love for it. Um, and I just wait for the inspiration. Um, I just don't put myself to work as much. Um, I work when, well, I've worked... I've actually, I've always worked out of inspiration, I, and I've always stopped when the, when the work when I'm not feeling it. So maybe that's not so different. It's just that I'm not doing the the, the number of pieces I, I I've done in the past. I've slowed down a lot. Well, we're glad you took some time off in between there because now you didn't run out of briar, and we get to have a chance at buying a pipe from you. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Uh, last question I have for you is there, you know, nowadays the, uh, the new up and coming pipe makers, they have all these internet forums and they can instantly share ideas and they're learning, uh, from each other via email, text and, and pictures. Do you have any advice for some of these new guys? I don't know if anything I've said tonight sounds like advice, then that's it. <laughs> um, no, do it if you love it. I do have a, you know, I do have a word of advice about something that's probably controversial, because I don't think people talk about this very much in the pipe world. But I believe in moderation. I believe in moderation in all things that are especially great, because I think they're especially fetching. And I think it's important that we somehow have the say on whether we're doing these things or not. So I think, uh, I think pipe smoking, cigar smoking, uh, a good, a good uh, a uh, alcoholic a beverage, a, a great rum or a single malt, um, I think these things need to be done carefully. And I think one gets more pleasure out of it if they're done in that manner. So I did want to say that. Do you, do you think some pipe makers kind of rush their production so your advice would be for them to pull back and do it in more in moderation? No, I really have no advice for anyone else on how they should do their own work. And truthfully, I really know little. Uh, because I'm such a recluse, I, I've known little over the years of what other people are doing. Um, I pretty much have stuck to my own guns here. I just do what I do. And I haven't had a lot of need to look around to find my own my own wherewithal, you know, to, to, to do what I need to do with a particular burl I'm working on. The burl it is, it is the inspiration for me. Um, so I, I really don't have advice for others, um, and I'm not so familiar with what they're up to, to be frank. <laughs> and if they brought their pipes up to show you, you'd be fine with that, but... Uh... Oh, sure. I mean, if someone wanted to ask try to be gentle and, <laughs> and some people are doing great work no I have seen some work and some people are doing marvelous work um, 
far beyond what used to be done. So I know there's some very, you know, very fine makers out there. I think so. Andrew, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure, go ahead. What is your favorite pipe? Well, I, I've i owned a couple. I've owned probably a couple of my little bents that I've had for 20 or 30 years. Just little light things which hang, hang lightly and I take out and throw in my pocket and put back my mouth when I want to be smoking it. Just a little bent, very comfortable little pipes. Um, probably a couple, two or three of my own bents that have lasted a long time and I've been quite fond of and they've become a part of you. I think those are probably my favorites, a few of my own. And what is your favorite tobacco? Baby's Bottom. Ooh. Have you tried the re-release of it? I knew that would get you. No, I haven't. I haven't. And I sort of said that as tongue-in-cheek because probably very few people remember it, but I just happened to remember it, and I, and, and I liked it back then. So I, I, I mentioned it as my favorite. Okay, good, because I was going to say, if you had like a 40-year supply of that, um, you'd have some people coming up to visit you. No kidding. It's true. I do have a big tin of something from... Um, it was a Wally Frank, I think, some really great Latakia mixture, probably 40 years old. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Questions. What is your favorite drink? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You've caught me there, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> and maybe this is, this is where the moderation comes from. Uh, my favorite drink, it was Lagavulin. Yeah, but in Dominica, Schillingford's estate makes a, a 163 cask, proof, cask strength rum. Oh my lord! Which, which became my favorite, and which did me in because I neglected to drink it with water afterwards. <laughs> I was drinking it straight for several years. It's exquisite, and I would say that at Schillingford's estate. 163 proof cask strength rum. The cask on the right, if you go in their cellar, that's been my favorite. <laughs> oh wow! And if your if your rocket runs out of fuel, you could use it for that too. <laughs> it's quite magnificent. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Well, I don't watch movies, so that wouldn't be it. Um, I love music of all sorts, um, and 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 I love reading, although I do too little of it. So I think the combination of a of a, maybe some Richter playing Chopin and 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 a great book would be a nice. To, and sitting on this leather couch in front of my fireplace here might just be the ticket. Ah, uh, and and avoiding all the snow outside. Uh, <laughs> right. And last question is probably going to be the most difficult for you, but do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory? You know, I do, and it's interesting because my entire life I've smoked a pipe by myself. If 
to I happen to have a friend in the room and we spoke to get smoke together it'd be a, you know, two people smoking I've, I've never been much I've never joined a club I've never sat around with six or seven or eight people smoking a pipe I, except and I I've rarely attended shows but about 10 or 12 years ago I can't remember exactly I went I attended the Chicago show and uh, coincidentally because it's about to take place now this next weekend but I, I went as a maker and had a couple of great experiences there. One I remember, um, Lars Everson was speaking with, I believe it's Mr. Levy, who owns Ewan Reese. Yeah. And I noticed him and walked up, introduced myself and said, you look just like your father. <laughs> and he said to me, oh, I was hoping I looked like my daughter. <laughs> I thought it was wonderful and then later that evening uh, in one of the hotel rooms where we all stay you know a couple of people were staying a couple of makers were staying I think Bob Swanson was it was his room I believe must have been 40 people at least packed into that room uh, Lars Everson my friend Foreman Nielsen uh, Nemo many American pipe makers people from all over must have been 40, 45 people in this tiny motel room, and we were all smoking tobacco and talking and have and drinking and having a wonderful evening. And I just remember one moment of sitting between Lars Everson and former Nielsen, and it was just, and, and we were all talking, and I was this is a very lovely moment. And about 1:30 in the morning, everyone said. Where's the espresso? We, all, we weren't ready to go to bed. We wanted more. And I'm Mimo and about three or four other people. Somehow there were five espresso pots going. We all had espresso, and the evening just went on. So that I remember as being quite a grand experience. It was a lovely one. It won't happen again for me, but uh, that's a memory. And again, the website is Andrew Marks Pipes, uh, Andrew Marks Pipemaker.com. Check it out. All the contact information's on there for you. And pictures of absolutely wonderful pipes. And Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Brian, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope to see some folks that have been listening up in my workshop this summer, up in my studio, come visit. And, 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 and mention that, that, that they heard this interview. Thanks so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. 
fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and all I can say is, man, I hope I'm still uh, interested in having fun at doing this in 40 years. Uh, just, uh, I mean, just fascinating to think of that Andrew's been doing it for 40 years, and he's still intrigued by the wood. I wonder if he's really going to be able to put it down and stop doing it when that uh, when that briar runs out, though. All right, for music, we uh, this is going to be a <laughs> this this is going to be a change from the normal. Um, but uh, Dan Locklear was kind enough to point out to me a composer by the name of Bernard Herrmann, and uh, Herrmann lived from uh, 1911 to 1975, and to he's a film composer. And just to give you an idea of the movies that he worked on, uh, the first one that he got credit for was uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, so that goes all the way back. I mean, all the way back to the to the uh, Orson Welles classic. Um, he was uh, in particularly he was um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's preferred composer uh by doing uh music for psycho vertigo and several others uh this piece that i picked out for us is from the 1951 classic the day the earth stood still and this one's quite simply called uh the uh outer space and radar so i hope you enjoy it
As I was listening through some of Hermann's uh, works and found this piece in particular, noticed a whole lot of themes of music that start showing up in the 1950s uh, B-movie, science fiction movies, and just a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of sounds and stuff. And thinking that this all came from Hermann, a pipe smoker, and then of course he probably picked up the pipe while working on uh, Citizen Kane with. Orson Welles. Oh boy, we've got a message. In the mail, we'll go straight to uh, Safari Pete, uh, better known as uh, Peter. Uh, Brian just went, uh, just went to the website and donated $200 right away to the JDRF. Thank you very much. So anyway, I'll not be sending the check. It's been donated. God bless. Good interview tonight. Andrew Marks is, uh, sure is a New Yorker. It takes one to know one. Smooth. I thoroughly enjoyed your show as usual. Hopefully my health will allow me to see you in Chicago next year. I need some clay pipes. <laughs> yeah, they got clay pipes there. Um, Pipe Smoking Biker said, uh, Great show, Brian. I wasn't able to make it to Chicago this year, but I'll see you in Columbus. I agree with your rant. These businesses don't realize how much money they are losing by being unfriendly to smokers. By the way, I love the music choice. I used to listen to the Blues Brothers music all the time. Thank you. Glad somebody liked it. Uh, Pappy Mac says, You, sir, are the epitome of pipe radio hosts. I'm one of the best. There's only three or four of us. Um, Enjoyed the interview with Andrew Marks, but it left me wanting more. When he finishes that last bag of briar, he should write a book about pipes and pipe carving. I would buy it. Uh, The one thing lacking was information on where to purchase his pipes. I looked at his website and saw information to order a custom-made pipe, but but are they available anywhere else? Nope. You gotta call him or email him and talk to him about what he's got on hand. He really likes talking to people. Uh, Casey Ghost says, my first question is, where is John Seiler? Did you run him off? Yes, I ran him off. I got rid of him. I got tired of him. 
Um, no, uh, John's had uh, some computer issues and then has a new thing that he's doing every Tuesday night. He's still there. He's just not uh, posting comments like he used to. Um, nice report on the Chicago Pipe Show. They have so many things going on there, it's just amazing. No radio show could possibly cover their show properly. They do just an amazing job. Andrew Marks is one of the old guard carvers. Uh, Voorhees says, Hi, Brian. Great show. Speaking on the rant, I was in Peoria the same weekend as the Chicago show and endured the same weather as you. Not very inviting for a pipeful. Interesting was how my wife's family has a large 33-foot semi-open-air boat. They wouldn't allow me to smoke except on the rear platform when completely stopped. Seriously, ruined an otherwise perfect cruise on the huge Illinois River as I was fearful of dropping my pipe in the river or tumbling off myself. Grr, not worth the aggravation. Yeah, I let's see, spending a weekend on a boat where the weather's not nice and you can't really smoke and you're with the in-laws or coming up river to the Chicago Pipe Show. Hmm, I think I might have swam up river. Um, going back to Dan Locklear, Dan said in the same email that he can't wait for the day when he's retired and gets to uh, finally come to the Chicago Pipe Show because it always conflicts with finals at Wake Forest University. Um, you know, made me think I kind of can't wait until the time when I'm retired and can actually just kind of go to the pipe show and walk around without having a have a table there. Uh, you know, might be a whole lot more expensive though if I had all that free time just to wander around. I don't know if I could do it. Um, Pitchfork says, uh, listened last night what a storied career Andrew has had. I knew that he trained with former Nielsen, but I didn't realize he worked with Sixton Iverson as well. Interesting to hear him say when his famous briar runs out, he might stop making pipes altogether. I've bought a couple of pipes from him, and what he says about his briar is true. It's some of the most mellow smoking briar out there. I hope there really is a part two. Looking forward to it. <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Pitchfork goes on to write, Is there a way to contact Brian Levine? Yes, there is. Uh, you can email me, brian, at pipesmagazine.com, or you can uh, post a comment right here on uh, pipesmagazine.com on the radio show page, and I'll get it. Uh, it wasn't, And then he says, It wasn't clear to me if Part 2 had already been recorded or not, but if it hasn't, it would be great to hear Andrew talk about his work with fellow Vermonter Elliot Knockwalter. I think the two of them shared a shop back in the 1970s. Uh, let me just say that uh, part two was completely pre-recorded, and we'd kind of mapped out what we were going to talk about and what he wanted to talk about, and uh, you got part one and part two. Uh, Pitchfork goes on to write, Another thing that was interesting about the interview is hearing him talk about why he doesn't use bowl coatings. He couldn't really articulate why, but it's clear that for him, making pipes is so much more than just technique and craft. He makes wonderful pipes, but it's that sense of creative joy that he seems to put into each and every one that makes them particularly special. Uh, I'm going to interject here, and after talking to Andrew, I think he really doesn't want anything to block the uh, block the wood, the flavor of the wood, or the or the cooling factors of the wood to be able to come through the to the tobacco. And I think he feels that a uh, 
bowl coating does that. And since his wood's so special, he doesn't want it to get in the way. Uh, Pitchfork goes on to write, by the way, Andrew is also the author of a really interesting little book on Robert Frost and his friendship with Rabbi Victor Reichert. It concerns a small but significant part of the story of Frost's development as a poet and as a religious thinker. The whole story would have been lost to history were it not for Andrew. Apparently he was fishing one day in Vermont, caught a trout, and someone suggested that old Rabbi Reichert up the road would appreciate it, so Andrew took <laughs> Andrew takes the trout up to Reichert's house, and that began a series of conversations about his relationship with Robert Frost. The result of those conversations is this small but wonderful and readable book, and there's a link to it on Amazon, and uh, just... Today in the mail, Andrew was kind enough to send me a copy, and uh, Pitchfork also put a link to a YouTube video of Andrew working on a pipe on there. Um, again, just fascinating. Uh, let's update the JDRF auctions real quick. Uh, we'll keep the link to my daughter's web, uh, my daughter's page up for just a few more weeks. Uh, well, no, maybe just one more week because. Between the auctions and the direct donations, we're going to clear over $1,500 this year, and it's all because of you guys. I realize we didn't come close to the three uh, to the 3,000 plus we did last year, but we had some great donations, and it was really hard to beat. But hey, 1,500 is uh, going to help find a uh, find a new cure or help find a new way to manage a condition, and uh, you know what? I appreciate every little penny and everybody that donates. So thank you again. And in just a moment, rant time. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. Everybody grab those baseball bats, you know, the ones with the nails coming out of it for the zombie apocalypse because the zombies are coming right now. No, but that's what some of the postings around the uh, message boards and on YouTube have looked like since the FDA has announced all their regulations and deeming regulations. Now, let me just tell you, first of all, the deeming regulations are 499 pages long. 
Nobody got a chance to pre-review them or read them. We got them Thursday morning, and nobody knows exactly what the effects are. Uh, the post on Pipes Magazine that got me the most said, Jeremy Greg Russ, can you tell us how the new FDA regs impact you? That was posted Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Literally 72 hours after we had received the deeming regulations. Sunday afternoon. And then, to uh, make things even funnier on there, uh, someone somewhere down there said, uh, well, it doesn't look like that the... uh, let's see. Oh, as the response so far would suggest, I think folks in the industry are sitting tight and waiting for clarification, hoping to cut the best arrangements on how the regulations are implemented. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know enough about this, it's best not to say anything at all at this point. And you're not going to get an answer from people on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening, especially 72 hours after 499 pages of regulations have come out. We don't know. There has to be time for clarifications. And let me also state that there is probably not going to be a lawsuit from the CRA, the Cigar Rights of America, that includes pipe tobacco. Why? Because they're the CRA, not the CPRA. They don't are they're not concerned with what happens to pipe tobacco. So everybody get your zombie apocalypse gear, put it away for now, and I will let you know exactly when you need to worry about stuff. We'll keep you updated. And once again, as I said at the beginning of the show, take a breath. When the smart people have weighed in, we'll let you know what's going on. Every company right now is reading all of these and going through them. There's going to be a lot of big discussions going back and forth on how on the financial and the practicality impact of all these regulations. So, put the zombie bats away. They're not coming for your tobacco quite yet. All right, um, if you would like to advertise on this fine show, if you're not depressed enough by now, uh, please contact Kevin Godby at kevin at pipesmagazine.com. He handles all that, and that's how we keep this show going, so we appreciate all of our advertisers. Uh, To contact me, again, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. You can find me on Facebook under my name and contact me there. Or, while you're on Facebook, follow the Pipes Magazine radio show right there. Got our own page there and everything. And every once in a while, they get some little special postings up there. And last thing, if you haven't had a chance, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes and Stitcher. We do appreciate those. So, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Andrew Marks. And there will be a next time, so I'll say, until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy 
Okay, now let's hug the zombies. Let's all make up. Wow.